I think as a society, we're, we're really nervous about this. And whether it's the political divide, left or right, either group is kind of afraid to say the wrong thing. And I think we've got to have these conversations. And I think that's the same idea is take a step, take a step, take another one and another one, and then we'll get to better and best and whatever that might be in the future. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today I bring you CEO of Noon, a sports nutrition company, Kevin Rutherford. For years, I struggled to find the clarity of purpose in my life and the single-minded focus that I had when I was an athlete. You know, it just felt like I was working hard, but not really getting any closer to where I wanted to go. And to be honest, I really didn't even know or have a clear vision on where I wanted to go. Then I discovered a powerful four-step blueprint that I began to apply to my life, and it changed everything. Now, every morning, I'm excited to attack the day because I have a clarity of purpose, and I have confidence in my plan, and I have peace of mind in knowing that I'm back on that path to elite success. Anyone, and I mean anyone, can use this four-step process to recreate the key elements in the life of an elite performer so you can regain that clarity of purpose and that single-minded focus so that you can both achieve your goals and live a balanced life. I created a, a free PDF for you outlining the four-step Reveal Your Path Blueprint for Success just go to jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint. That's jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint to get instant access to that free PDF. While Kevin is not the founder of Noon, he is the CEO and he has turned this company around and he shares how he did it. He shares his insider secrets that he's used, which are so simple and so powerful I just don't know why more leaders don't do them. And if you're a leader at any level, right, whether you're leading a, a sports team or a classroom or a CEO of a company and, and you're leading employees, you have people who report to you, you're somewhere in the middle, it doesn't matter. Everything he shares here is relevant to you because I actually asked him, I said, well, what about the person who's not the CEO? How do they influence their culture? How do they create winning teams? And how do they manage failure within their team and within their company and within their subculture, which is a term that he used. And he shares how to do that. And it was fascinating. After we stopped recording, we were chatting a little bit and he's, he's friends with Seth Goldman, who I actually had on the podcast way back in episode 15. Absolutely fascinating CEO himself. He's the founder of Honest Tea. But anyway, he was talking about how he's been hired to speak at companies like Coca-Cola and others about building team culture, because that is what he's done over and over, whether you're a CEO and you're at the top of the organization or you're anywhere in between there and the bottom, you have an opportunity to learn and transform your workplace and your career if you listen to this episode. So give it a listen. Kevin Rutherford, CEO of Noon. If you want to hear this on your smart player, make sure you just say, hey, play Success Through Failure podcast, and you'll hear my voice coming through your smart player. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to give it a share. And if you could, give it a rating and a review on iTunes. Those go a long way in helping to grow the podcast. The best thing even is, like I said, share it, share it on social media, share it as a text message to a friend, say, hey, check out the latest episode of Success Through Failure. I'm endlessly grateful for your support. Let's get to the interview. So let's start with the most important question first. Noon. Where did the name of the company come from? <laughs> That's interesting. You know, there's there's a lot of stories out there about where it, where it came from. Here's 
Let me let me just say this. It's a made up name, right? It's in fact the idea on this one when it first came up with the idea was all about symmetry, right? N U U N, and it was like this made up word, and it was just that was really what drove it. However, the truth be told, um, we've given it a definition since then, and uh, we call it nutrition uncompromised. And so that's where the N U is nutrition, and the uncompromised is, is the back part of it. So that's that's what it stands for. I, I will say, if I could, because I think this one's really interesting, I have to tell a story on this one. So one of my teammates, actually, she's not with the company anymore. This is a while back. This is, gosh, five, six years ago. She comes up to me and says, Kevin, do you know what noon means in Nepalese? And I'm like, I have no idea. She goes, it means salt. And I'm like, how do you know that? And then she goes, well, I was in a Whole Foods and someone there working there had literally just come back from spending time in Nepal. Here's the irony of this whole thing. Because noon is about hydration and electrolytes is key, the most essential of the electrolytes is salt, sodium. So the, the Nepalese translation is actually pronounced noon. It is spelt a little bit differently, by the way. It's not N-U-U-N. It's N-U-N, like none, but it's actually pronounced noon. So... I don't know if that happens to be a little bit of serendipity that happened here, but just thought I'd share it. Yeah, it's uh, it was fate. It was fate. That's cool. So, you know, just based on what you said, nutrition uncompromised, I mean, that is, it seems like sort of a value. It's something that you guys as a company live out. And I, I you know, Kevin, I could have had a lot of other people on this podcast to talk about culture and living out uh, corporate values, uh, people who've written books on it or maybe speak on it, but like you're actually, you're doing it, you're living it out. So I want to explore that with you today. How does a company set values, but more importantly, how do you live them out? Because when you're, you know, for the listeners, like if you just go to their website, if you follow them on social media or anything, like you'll see that like their brand just, it oozes like these values that you can tell that they just live out as a company. So what are your values and how do you actually like, go about living them out as a company? Yeah, there's when I think of values, I think of a couple of different perspectives on this one. So there's these value foundational pillars as a company that we have. And it's under this umbrella at noon called Live Clean. And those three pillars are around. So Live Clean being clean product plus clean planet. So our outdoor playground. And those two combined lead to how do we get to clean movement? And so I say that because there's two ways we, you and I could jump into this right now is that's a company philosophy and how do we approach our business? And then how do we, we live that? Then there's the, the values as a team that we live in, the behaviors that, that manifest itself underneath it. And those things could be around energy giving. It's around servant leadership. It's around agility. It's around decisiveness and flexibility, like those type of things. So I could actually go two different directions with that one. Is there a preference where you might want to dig in a little? Let's start from the top down. Let's start from the corporate company values and then work that down into like, how do those lead to behaviors? So, so here's what I would say is, uh, you know, the live clean philosophy has three foundational pillars, clean product, clean planet, leading to clean movement. So clean product is this, the way we're approaching it is how do we create something through this multi-sensory experience, right? So it's something that's you want to do versus you have to do, right? And how do we have every ingredient in the product has a purpose? And so we become obsessed with that as a team, right? And so that's kind of the tool that we can give you to lead to where it will go to our why. Clean Planet is, listen, we want to make the planet ideally better than after we've come into a, a situation or made an impact. How do we make it better than how we, than how we arrived? 
that's a tough thing to do because if you're selling a consumable, the reality is, is there's going to be a negative impact. So how do we offset that? So we're, as an example, we're climate neutral certified. Tomorrow, how do we become climate positive, right? And so how do we keep reducing our impact? Because we know we have a role to play. That leads to clean movement, right? And this is our why. A lot of people think of us as a hydration and nutrition company. That's true. But the reason why we're in business and why we do what we do is it's all about getting movement, all about movement. You see, we believe fundamentally the number one thing that you can do for health and vitality is just move more, just move more. That could be the athlete, um, you know, competing for their first 5k to an Ironman or marathon, or it could be someone who's like, I need to get going and I just need to get my 10,000 steps in today and more consistently. We absolutely live that every single day and try to encourage others to do it. And so we need a healthy planet to do it. And we need healthy people through nourishment and hydration to get there. And that's kind of the overall approach as a business that we take. So you have those, you know, up on a wall somewhere, hypothetically, or it's in the employee manual, like on day one. Well, first of all, how does a company live that out? Like, how do you make that work in the company? Because you got people got to show up, they've got to do the work, and then they got to go home to their families and whatever else they do. How, how does this manifest? I will say this. I was about to jump into talking about behaviors. Before I jump into behaviors, I will say this is everybody at noon, every single person, buys into our mission around hydration that empowers the world to move more. Meaning we all believe in the power of movement. We're all in the different parts of our journey. Some of us are riding highs of exercise and movement to some are like, I'm in a rut, right? And so you need to surround yourself with people like that. If that motivates you, you're in the right spot at noon. By the way, if you have no interest in moving and it's just not something that's part of who you are, like you just, for whatever reason, don't believe in that then noon's probably going to make you miserable. So you probably don't want to be part of that culture. And so that's that's a starting point here. How it manifests itself is around behaviors. And that goes across all these different facets of the business of clean product, clean planet, leading to clean movement. And I think the behaviors of what differentiates noon is actually the competitive advantage of the company, the culture of the company. And these behaviors are things around where this value around servant leadership right? So we're in the business of people. As Tom Peters would say, people serving people serving people, right? And that's something that we're obsessed with. So how do I help my teammate win that helps my consumer win or my customer win or whoever it is that you're serving? And we we talk about it and live it every single day and celebrate that. There's also agility. Gosh, think about this, right? In the world today, the, this this is this is fascinating to me. If I think about how fast the world is moving, as fast as the world is moving today, it will never be this slow again, right? So agility and flexibility, those are key behaviors that we have to be willing to do, which, you know, back to a core belief of yours around, we're going to fail, we're going to trip, we're going to fall, right? So we have to be okay with that. It's agility, flexibility, and keep moving. And I think the other one is around energy giving. Energy giving is an interesting one because it can sometimes be, and I actually have to frequently help clarify this for people and for the team. Energy giving is about forward momentum. How do we bring solutions to the table as opposed to everything is great, everything is positive, because that's not always the case. And I think that's a bit of a challenge that I constantly have is, you know, I think people interpret my comment in our value and behavior on energy giving is like, okay, this may not be positive, Kevin, but I have to say this. I'm like, you don't have to apologize for this. Just say it. Let's, and then let's talk about what we want to do. So I would say that's how it comes to life. 
at noon every single day is is some of these core values and behaviors to make the impact that we want. So does it start with hiring or maybe before that, start with actually having something that you are about, right? You guys are about movement. So when somebody applies, do they know that? Do they get that sense? Is it explicit? Is it part of the interview process? How do you make sure you don't get the wrong person on the bus who shows up and is like, you know what, this kind of really isn't for me? Yeah, that's. I feel like it's a little bit of yes, especially if the person's done their homework. Um, meaning if they've done their homework on the company prior to interviewing and, and wanting to enter, they'll get a good vibe as to what this this company and brand really means and in, in how we live. So t- two thoughts for you. One, if you really want to get a feel for what noon means, and if you happen to be on Instagram, look up the hashtag noon life made up hashtag consumer generated media, and that'll quickly tell you what this culture and brand means. Basically, it's all about movement. It's about celebration. It's about the high five. It's about belonging. It's about community, all connected again around movement. It's not always about dropping this really cool tablet that gives you ultra hydration. It's something bigger. Again, take a look at that hashtag. It's fascinating to me. Made up hashtag. I think there's close to 400,000 posts on it today. So I think that's one key component. I also think it's important that our team is clear through an interview process of helping people understand what our mission is and how we bring that to life. One of the one of the examples I think this might hit home for you is I tend to think of our team, me included, as athletes in our arena that we play in is really the world that we compete in with around hydration and sport nutrition. And when I say I think of us as athletes, what you need to do is you have to think of your employee as a holistic individual, not as a person that's just working at noon. How that comes to life, right? So we have different ways to encourage you to get more movement into your life. One of the things that we just recently did is we've um, got everyone a whoop strap, if you're familiar with that. So connected fitness and technology. And the whole concept of that one is helping people understand what strain they're putting on themselves. That could be physical that could be mental. And then what are you recovering like? Because we really want to make sure that they're thinking about recovering so they can be at their personal best for noon or for life for them, period. And that's an example of thinking about your team members as athletes as this incredible benefit for them and for the greater team. For the listener who's not a CEO, and they're not in a position to create the company values and to force those upon the entire company, not force, but you know, live them out as, as sort of like as the leader top down, like you live this out as the leader. And I may be putting you in a hard spot because this is not what you do, right? You haven't written the book on this, you're living it out. But how would somebody who's in some kind of managerial position, mid-level position, they're not at the very top of the organization, but they have some influence. Maybe they're managing a team, maybe they're a teacher at a school, right? Do you encourage people to like think of you know what what do you value like what do you want to be about and incorporate that into everything you do? I mean, what advice would you give somebody who wants to buy into this but like man, I'm I'm not the CEO. Mm. All right, I have a couple of thoughts for you here. One, I believe that culture is the single biggest advantage or sustainable competitive advantage in business, in sports, in school, whatever that might be. And the reason I say that is culture is a living ecosystem. It is alive. It's constantly morphing and changing, so you need to nurture it, right? And so what I mean by that is if a person leaves a team or comes into a team or something happens, the culture is like constantly trying to shift. So you're trying to make it resilient. 
That's one thought. So that's an overarching comment. Within culture, there are subcultures of teams. So this is where your comment of like, what if you're not the CEO, right? There's subcultures within a team and you can have an influence on that subculture, which then infuses to the greater culture. There's subcultures all over in every single company and team all over the place. If you want to use sports, being hockey mine, right? You know, you have your line mates and you have a team culture, but then your line has a certain role in how you three, if it's all forwards, how you see yourselves. You could take any sport. In business, the same thing. Let, allow me to share an example. I was thinking about this as you were asking this. I'm going, you know, here's one that still sticks with me today. So on my career journey, I worked at, I like to say, another all-natural product company, Miller Brewing Company, actually now called Molson Coors is actually the name of the company. But here's an interesting inflection point that shows you the power of any individual within the team and what you can do and create a culture of like subcultures within a bigger environment. So Miller is a big company, a big, big beer company. I had the task of being the leader of a brand called MGD, Miller Genuine Draft. And the truth be told, when I was taking this role, I had several people, my peers, come onto me to the side and say, what are you doing? Why are you going onto that brand? And they said, here's, here's what their concern was. It was a genuine concern for me. They go, they looked at this and said, this is a career killer. You see, MGD was in a 17-year double-digit decline year after year after year after year. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, don't go there. And I go, I don't know. I think there's something interesting here. And so it was the team that nobody wanted to be on. And I remember this distinctly. Within roughly a year, year and a half, that changed. And meaning we were doing some really cool stuff on our team and created our own subculture about what did we want to accomplish? What do we believe in? How do we believe in each other? You are who you surround yourself with. And by the way, people are surrounding themselves with you, so you have a role. And so MGD changed it. And here was the cool thing that happened. This team, this team became such a magnet for energy because what happened? We did two things outwardly that people saw. There was a lot of how and behind. One, the brand actually went from that 17-year double-digit decline. We took the MGD light brand, repositioned it, and became one of the most successful domestic beer launches at the time. Another thing we did, we took two test markets to try just the base MGD brand and did a test around that one and getting core to what the brand stood for. Had so much fun trying to figure it out. Connected with the markets in Milwaukee and Minneapolis. In those 17-year declines in those two test markets, did a hockey stick and reversed. It, it wasn't rocket science. Let me be clear. It was about, okay, what do we want to accomplish? And we rallied as a small collective group and we didn't worry about all the noise that was around us. Then all of a sudden the magic starts happening and then people wanted to be on this team. So my point is you actually have more influence and control than you may realize. So it wasn't the marketing, at least not in the beginning. Maybe I'm sure there were marketing tactics and plans and strategies and, and different things that you did. But you're saying it started with like the being, like who you were as a culture, the subculture that you created, and that led to the things that you did, which led to the outcomes? That's true. Like I believe this is you've got to figure out your end game, your goal. Like what do we want success to look like? So that takes some work to figure out. But don't be worried about laminating that, meaning it's not stuck. I think there's a, a reference that I heard once is don't think of it like a photograph. Think of it like a painting. The painting will keep getting clearer and clearer as you get there, right? And you start moving forward. A photograph, you're expecting crystal clear. 
And I think that was a really good analogy that's really helped me. And you go, okay. And so to me, I believe this is this has happened in my career and in life over and over again. And it it's hard to see it until you reflect back, actually. But what happens is you create the painting and you get a belief. And then you get the, the core people that are with you on the team to believe this. Like, we, we can do this. So then what you do is you got to get a spark. You've got to get a spark. So there's wins happening all over the place. It doesn't have to be big. It has to be real, but it doesn't have to be big. Boom, we got to win. Okay, and this is a phrase that I use a lot. Mojo builds mojo. We got the spark. Okay, now what? Now what? Now what? And you build on it. You build on it. You accelerate. You accelerate. Then you have to adapt or you die because something will happen differently. And so you adapt and then you keep going through that. And then you celebrate, repeat, and keep doing that. And I, I say that because even at noon, this was a really interesting example as well. When I came in at noon and some of the board members are referencing me as a refounder because I'm not the founder of noon. And what happened was when I came in, the team was really down on themselves because the growth rate was coming down. But yet it, the company was so small. I'm like, you haven't tapped out. We barely even started. And so then I found some wins with the team and they saw it. They started believing in each other. It was incredible. We hadn't done anything yet. And we st all of a sudden changed the trajectory. It's There is something about belief and then creating action for impact, as small as it may be, that gets momentum that I think people underestimate. So what kind of little wins? Like you come into a company that's it's on a decline that really feels like maybe they're tapped out and they don't really see the vision that you had seen. What did it look like? Like day one, week one, month one, quarter one? So uh, using it noon as an example, when I came into noon, my goal wasn't to come in and change anything. My goal was to come in to try to understand what was happening and what was working. I had some hypothesis of things I wanted to change. I didn't need to work, get the team thinking about that right now. I wanted to think, try to understand what was working. A good place to see that outwardly, the, like the easiest spot to see that is What's the sales team doing? Because they're out in the marketplace, they're getting displays, right? And displays and off-shelf placement inside a grocery store or a sports store or whatever that might be. It's going to have a positive impact. Are you celebrating that? Or are you just taking, are you, is everyone just assuming now, right? It's like, we should celebrate that. Every one of those is a win. And so all of a sudden people are going, heck yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Right? Like they're, they're rethinking what they were already doing. So and then they go, well, let's do more of that. Marketing, same thing. You know, when it came to really the execution for partnerships that were in place, I think it was almost assumed it was like, because you've done it once before, it's not really worth celebrating again. But it's like, actually, it is worth celebrating again because you're doing it again for a reason. And what's the impact? And so you remind them of that and you bring it to the forefront. And all of a sudden, they're, they're looking at something which became a mundane task almost to heck yeah, right? First down, here we go first down. How might you celebrate that? I mean, is it is it simply bringing it up at a staff meeting? Is it sending out a company email? Is it having some kind of recognition at the end of the month or here are all the wins that we had? I mean, how does that look? How did, how did that look? Yeah, I I think the, the, the there's a couple of ways, but I think public recognition is a really good way to do it. When it comes from the CEO, you can also just do a one-on-one. -on -one, so I think it can go both ways because I think a lot of people don't sometimes feel like they hear enough or maybe they don't feel valued by a CEO. I really try to make an effort to make sure that I'm out there and I can see what you're doing and I'm stoked and I'm proud of you and I'm going to let you know that. And so I'll do that one-on-one, -on -one, but we also do it as a team at town halls monthly or you know weekly emails as well of just like, hey, here's some wins for the week, but call it an individual, right? So publicly celebrate a person or a team. 
publicly do that. Now, if there's an issue, don't publicly do that. Take that in behind the scenes and let's talk about this and figure out how we resolve. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. So you talked about the MGD turnaround. You talked about noon and the success you guys have had. Looking back in hindsight, it's like, ah, those were foregone conclusions. We're here listening to you talk about these experiences. And, you know, those were, you know, success was a foregone conclusion as far as we can tell, but it wasn't, right? Was there a fear or doubt or questioning of yourself going into those situations, MGD and into noon? Why accept that kind of challenge? Because I think a lot of people kind of, you know, if you fail at that, right, you even warned by colleagues like, hey, why would you go into that brand? That's a career killer. Was there part of you that was wondering like, maybe this is a bad idea? Or was it a challenge that you were excited about? I mean, or are you just so confident in your abilities? Like, yeah, I can turn anything around. Or like, because I think there's a lot of folks listening who are generally successful at what they do. And they look at around them and there are challenges, right? There's challenges for anybody, anybody who wants to grow, you know, grow their business to the next level, get that next promotion, whatever, you know, maybe it's in their health side. It's like, you know, go from a 5k to a half marathon. Like there's fear, there's doubt there. Did you have to wrestle with that? And why accept a challenge like that? Yeah. You know, for sure there must've been some doubt in my mind. And I think maybe that's a talent for me is I don't dwell on that too long and I quickly move on. And so I can't actually recall feeling doubt at that moment. Yeah. I probably did feel doubt. That being said, I believe that any situation I go into for the most part, I can succeed. Like I go in with that mentality from a kid in sports playing hockey, where I was clearly not the best player in my head. I felt like I can still beat you. I can still win this thing. Like, no matter what, I just always believe that. And it sometimes it happens, sometimes it didn't. And I think the same thing is held true here is when it comes into this this assignment, I'm like, we can turn this thing around. This this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be interesting. Let's give it a go. So there's this belief that I can, but like you said, you you haven't had all wins. Like everything hasn't been easy and successful. So can you tell us about some failures that you've experienced along the way? Because you weren't, you know, an NHL hockey player, right? So you must have failed along the way there. Like, what has been your experience with failure and how do you embrace it? How do you live it out and, and fail and then still go, you know what? I can turn this next thing around. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, so the reality is, is we're failing, I guess, if you will, on any given day. It's happening all the time. And the thing is, it's not a zero-sum game, right? As you fail, you just need to recognize there are so many other options out there. There is rarely just one option in almost any case. Again, I'm not going to extreme examples. And recognize the best thing you can do is take action so that you're already learning and progressing forward, right? So I'll give one more sports analogy, and I can I can take it to business to see where I've, where I've failed many times. We love sports analogies on this show. I'm always sharing them, so that's great. Well, so one of the things I took on was, was uh, triathlon. And it was actually a good friend of mine, Allison Fowler, who I worked with at Miller and, and Kashi. She's like, Kevin, you want to do a triathlon? I'm like, of course, I'm always up for a challenge and always think I can do it. And I said, yes, sure, let's do it. So what she didn't know is I'm like, I could barely swim. In fact, I have a fear of the water. And so I did my first Olympic triathlon in Chicago and uh, boy, I was horrible at the swim. And I'll, I'll say, I think the key was this though, is it 
basically took me to say, yes, I'm going to try. Then it was like, get into a pool and just start facing your fear of the water and keep working at it. Today, by the way, if you fast forward, I've done an Olympic, done several 70.3s, and I've done a full Ironman, which is a 2.4 mile swim. To this day, I still have a fear of swimming. I still have it. Every single time I have, I create my own Zen moment of how do I go approach the swim? Very different from the rest of the race, by the way. So the swim is about my win is I'm going to get out and be strong so I can go into the bike. Nothing to do with my competitive set. And I think that that's a key learning, by the way, is how do you make sure that ego and your self-worth doesn't come from everyone else around you? How can you find that inner like that inner challenge and inner strength and, and celebrate that. And swimming is a great example, right? Like I'm a bottom, well, I've now got to bet the middle of the pack, but I was bottom 20% swimmers for sure. And I think that no ego really actually helped me get to a point where I can have this fear, but attack it and feel good coming out, which I think ego is a big deal here. I think that's where it gets in the way. And I've done it as well. Let me give you a business example of a failure. So one of them was I was launching a product and I was competing against Procter and Gamble, a much bigger company than what we were SC Johnson. And I was going toe to toe with them and their marketing plan I could see was so big. And I had this ego going, we're going to beat them. And so what did I do? I tried to play their game and spend more money, right? To go toe to toe with them to say, basically, if we spend dollar for dollar, we'll take them down. Well, the truth of the matter is we didn't come anywhere close to their spend, and yet we spent way more than we ever had at that time on any launch, and the product was a failure, and that was ego. I did not try to outsmart them in a different way. I just tried to go, if you can do it, I can do that better. I'll do more of it, and that was that's a good example of doing the same thing as your competitor or the marketplace. You're letting ego get in the way. You have to rethink how do you remove friction points and do it better. If you could go back and talk to yourself prior to that experience, that business example, what would you tell yourself? I would say this. I would say, find a way to do something differently than your competitor. Don't try to attack the whole thing at once. Break it into smaller pieces and gain momentum. Meaning, start small, get traction, and then build on that. Keep building from there, little by little by little by little. And I think what I tried to do was I tried to swing for the fences as a like a home run out of the gates. And I think that was the wrong call. Which coincidentally and interestingly, I want to point out to the listener, that's how you succeeded in swimming, right? That's how you went from the bottom 20% to middle of the pack. And you didn't start swimming, you know, going, you know what? First day, day one, two, I'm, I'm Ironman 2.4. Let's do this, right? You didn't do that, right? You, you said, okay, let's start small. Let's break this into chunks. Let's get some wins here. Let's create some traction. And I, I haven't done an Ironman, but I've done a few triathlons. And I, I use it the same way. I, I signed up for a triathlon because I couldn't swim very well. I couldn't crawl or freestyle. And, but I just signed up and, and made myself do it. And that forced me to learn. And that iteration, that process, I think is important in failing along the way. And, and for listener, I want to point out, like, Kevin had to fail along the way. I mean, that's the process, right? And his ego wasn't involved. Can you take that and apply that to your life in your relationships? Can you apply that to your life in your business, in your leadership role, in your family, whatever area of your life that you want to improve? Like, are you willing 
to try the scary thing, the hard thing, the thing that you're going to fail at in order to get from where you're at to where you want to be. And where you're at might be the top bottom 20% and where you want to be is the middle of the pack, like Kevin said, with his swimming. So understand that and adapt that to your life. Yeah, I agree. You know, how about this? This is probably more relevant today than maybe any time. And if you think about, well, we're still in the pandemic, so I'll think pandemic, the social unrest and the uprising that happened in America, but around the world, but in America in particular in 2020. And one of the things here is those courageous conversations to be vulnerable in in talking about some of the challenges that we have and recognizing you're probably going to say something that might be interpreted as negative or not appropriate. Yet I think what's more important is keep trying, keep having the conversation. And I do it all the time. Like I've had feedback from folks saying, you know what you said, this is how it made me feel. I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you for letting me know. I'm grateful that you let me know that. Now I try to course correct next time and I try to get better at it. I think as a society, we're really nervous about this. And whether it's the political divide, left or right, either either group is kind of afraid to say the wrong thing. And I think we, we've got to have these conversations. And I think that's the same idea as take a step, take a step, take another one and another one, and then we'll get to better and best and whatever that might be in the future. Man, you said it. Punctuation mark, exclamation point right after that. So for the listener, I encourage you to go back and listen to the last three to five minutes of this episode and really, really internalize that in any area of your life. It can be, like I said, it can be in business. It can be in your health and wellness. It can be in your relationships. But this is the path. This is the plan. This is the process. Kevin, can you share with us a habit that you do or have done over your life, your career that you feel is most responsible for your success? Something that you do, maybe it's every day, maybe it's once a week or once a month or once a year, something that you've done consistently that you feel is responsible for your success. Yeah, I think there's different things that drive different people. For me, there's two things that come to mind when it comes to forming habits so that you can keep going during when you have turbulence around you, whatever that might be, maybe life is busy and holding you back from something that you want to stay consistent with. So a good one to think about is like health and fitness or even growth mindset, right? And one is, I said this earlier, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. So whatever it is that you want to be better at or do something with, how do you surround yourself with that? Now, you may not be able to surround yourself with gym. So if you can't do that, maybe you can listen to Jim's podcast. So you are indirectly, right? And, and my point is, you are who you surround yourself with. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with that. And it will, it will pull you in the direction of where you want to be and create these habits. That momentum is key. You can tell I'm such a big believer. Mojo builds mojo, right? It's all about momentum. And so I do that. I do that a lot. I listen to podcasts all the time, usually around the subjects. And my team would laugh at me because I share them all the time hey, listen to this one, listen to this one. If they don't want to, that's fine. But it's usually around leadership, growth mindset, a lot of times marketing and building brands and purpose-driven businesses. And so I study that consistently because it gives me energy and that's what keeps me going. The second one is this. For what also helps me is create a goal. So again, this may not drive everyone, but I have this drive when I set a goal for it, that makes me create the plan to get there. Otherwise, I'm, I kind of just waffle and, and move through life, if you will, on whatever said initiative it is. So I create things like, 
here, let me give you one. This might make you chuckle. So today I live through a plant-based diet and, you know, a vegan lifestyle. And what's interesting is how it started, how it started. When you think about the habit that I was trying to create, I didn't even know what vegan was. I actually didn't know what it was. This is roughly a decade ago. I wanted to increase energy levels. That was what I was thinking. I want to increase energy levels. Well, that's ambiguous. How do I put a goal on that? I didn't want the two o'clock lull. And what I found and what I learned was plants are much easier to digest to get that energy. So net energy gain versus taking away energy to digest and break it down. Plants were much easier to do than, than meat, as an example. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try that. And then I cleaned up my whole diet and did these different things. And I'm like, okay, great. Then what I did was I created this streak. And so I got to, I was trying to get to a hundred days of doing this. So that's how I created a goal to create something tangible for me. And so there's how I went and I started doing it. And I got to a hundred days, by the way, the interesting thing was my friends thought at a hundred days, I was going to go have this big grill out of a steak and all this. And I go, ah, no, no, I don't think I want to do that. Hold on. I got to a hundred days. Maybe I can get to a year. And so I created a new goal and then it kind of continues there. And then by that point, the habits completely formed and, you know, it just became how I, how I lived it. That, and that's one example of many, but I don't know if that helped. That's fantastic. I mean, for my clients who are listening and longtime listeners who are listening, you know that everything he just talked about was around what I call the environment of excellence. Two components of that environment of excellence are media and people. Like what's the media, like podcasts, et cetera, are you allowing into your life or are you blocking out of your life, the negative news cycle type stuff and, and people, like who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? And then the other one is, you know, create the goal and then create the micro goals, the, the plan to get there. I mean, this is, you know, make the commitment and then create the plan. These are catalysts to, to creating the life that you want. So excellent examples, Kevin. How can the listeners find you, follow you, learn more about Noon, buy your products, et cetera? Oh, thanks for asking. So Noon Hydration, if you haven't tried it, listen, if I could just say one thing, drink more water, drink more water. 75% of the population is chronically dehydrated. You need to drink more water. Your body's 70% water to give it some context. Noon is an effervescent tablet. Drop it in. It will make your water work harder for you. But if, if nothing else, just drink more water. You can find Noon, N-U-U-N, Noon Hydration on all the social media platforms. If you want to find me, you can find me on all the social media platforms. I actually have a different name. My name is on there, but my handle is actually called Clean underscore Lantern. Clean Lantern, basically, my whole aspiration on that one is how to be a beacon of light for people, humanity, and the animals that share that planet with us. So Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And for the listener, we'll have all those links in the action plan as always. So make sure you grab that. Kevin, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Had a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.